to building. And, and so all of you are, are so crucially important to the continuation of LCF. Um, and, and so what do we do in transition? What do we do when things are rocky? When my Oma passed away, that was rocky for me. She was one of our family rocks. I mean, if you have the name Oma, who's an Oma in the room here? Probably got a few. That's a special title. That is a special title, and it's special to everyone who calls you that. And when my Oma passed away, I was a little shook. And so I had to cling to firm foundations. And so I only listened to hymns, just hymns, because that was firm for me. That was bedrock. That was something I could sink my teeth into. That was steadfast. And that gave me footing. And let me tell you, the opportunity for offense, delusion, bitterness is, is so high right now here with transition. The devil wants to come and he wants to shake everything up. Just like Jesus wants to shake everything up, just like Jesus wants to take this and, and, and explode LCF, the devil wants to do the same thing, but he wants to destroy it. And so it's never been more important to be firm in who you are. Firm. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And I asked Thomas, my new buddy here at LCF, to leave this up here. Let's read this together, not the welcome to LCF part, okay? Let's read this together. We exist to love God, love people, and to follow and proclaim the way of Jesus. If that's still true for you today, you're in the right spot. And if you want to pursue that here, you're in the right spot. And that's what I want to talk about today. The, the, the genesis of accomplishing all of this starts with getting one thing right. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. You guys ever hear that term? Let's keep the main thing, the main thing. Right? Let's not forget what got us here. Let's not forget why we have success. Right? I want to tell you a story. It's about Pepsi. Who's a Pepsi fan over a Coke fan? I'm disappointed. <laughs> it's just not the same, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay. In 1989, Pepsi made a critical mistake. You know what they did? They launched Pepsi AM. Pepsi AM. You know what that is? Nobody knows what it is. It only survived one year. Pepsi AM was a, a morning soft drink. It had more caffeine because that was your morning drink. And they pursued this as, okay, okay, forget coffee, forget tea, all those things that have tried, tested, and true, I want you to consider Pepsi AM. It survived a year, right? Right? Then, then a few years later, 
1992, Pepsi decided they're going to do clear Pepsi, clear cola. Do you guys, I, I, even I remember that. And I was born in 1981. Clear Pepsi. Does anyone remember that? It's just odd. It's disturbing. They have that now. It's called uh, uh, bubbly or it's a soda stream. You can actually have Pepsi flavoring. No, I think it turns dark. It doesn't matter. Okay? They launched Clear Cola. And again, it survived one year. McDonald's, uh, I don't remember quite when, but they decided they were going to try to branch into gourmet burgers. Gourmet burgers, like potato bun, all the fixings, special sauces, everything really high-end. They spent $385 million on advertising to turn McDonald's into gourmet McDonald's. How'd that go? Yeah, right. Big thumbs down, probably two thumbs down. That was $385 million. Even McDonald's can't handle that kind of marketing flop. All of this to say, it is important to know who you are and what you stand for and over-diversification can get you into a lot of trouble when you start trying to be something that you're never meant or intended to be. And that's what I want to talk about today. We need to get that one thing right, and everything flows out of that. You know, I would love to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in, in uh, church uh, rebirth. I would love to talk about those things, but we need to get the first thing straight. We need, we, need to, we need to be who we're meant to be, okay? And so I want to talk about that today. Turn with me, if you would like to follow along, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I read the ESV, but it doesn't matter. Luke chapter 10, that's where we're going to be Primarily, that's our story, that's our lesson, and that's the main thing. Luke 10, verse 1. Uh, there's going to be a lot of reading, but it's an important context. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So he'd already sent the 12 out. Jesus already sent the 12 out to go before him. Now he's sending 72 other disciples. He had lots of disciples. He could spare another 72 Others and sent them out ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. This is not a, this is not a sermon on missions, although it could be. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. That's interesting. Greet no one on the road. Keep that in your mind. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. 
That's kind of what Larry's saying by being willing to invite people into your house. Are, are your guest speakers, not me, because I'm not a guest speaker, are, are they going to find your peace in your house? I think they will, because you guys are wonderful. If there is son of peace in there, your peace will rest upon him, but if it is not, it will return to you. Whatever they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house, so don't house hop waiting for the best offers. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet will wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So, here is what Jesus has sent these 72 to do. To that point, the pinnacle of their life. Jesus just authorized and anointed 72 regular people to go on and be his heralds ahead of him with signs, wonders, and the sermon of the kingdom of God is upon you. The greatest missionary journey to that point, full of the power of God, with the message of God, all making way for God incarnate to come and be with them. It's a big deal. This would probably be, depending on what they did after the cross, the, the very highest order that these people would have ever accomplished and would have stayed with them for the rest of their lives. They would have told their kids, their grandkids, their great-grandkids, their neighbors, all about their adventures, a totally redeemed Lord of the Rings. They would have told everybody about this because this would have been the very biggest thing that they would have ever been a part of. And God used them powerfully. Not only to heal people, to wage war on evil, and to declare the greatest message that has ever been told. This was a big journey. And they came back pretty hyped up. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. We would all be hyped up. Let's continue in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Wow. Their faith would have been sky high. They would have seen things they would have never have dreamed of seeing. And they would have felt the power of God in their regular bodies that they could have never imagined. What a journey. And Jesus, Jesus is like a curveball sort of pitcher. He's, he likes the curveball. He doesn't throw the heat over the plate. If you guys don't like baseball, then you're not getting my picture here. But like, right? He doesn't throw the heat over the plate. That's too obvious. 
Jesus likes to throw the sinker, the curveball, something that you don't expect because he doesn't answer them according to their joy. He doesn't answer them according to their joy. So they come back and they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In some ways, he's one-upping them. He's saying, yeah, you, you, you cast out some demons. That's really good. Well, I saw, it, I saw it Lucifer when he got kicked out of heaven. That was a big deal. He just dropped. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. That in itself is a tremendous promise. And that's still a true promise for us today. So if I stopped us right there, there would be more than enough for you to take home today. God has called us to go. He's called us to go in his authority. He's called us and you should expect for God to heal, restore, correct and declare through you. I, I could be done. And yet there's something greater. There's something greater because Jesus says there's something greater. And, and this is the bedrock. If we get stuck on what I've said thus far... A church is in danger. It's not enough. It's not enough. Okay, if I've been clear thus far, okay, it's right in the Bible. Jesus says, with, with a group of like-minded people, by the power of his Holy Spirit, we are meant to go and declare and to heal and to restore and to do war against the demonic oppression in the world and he will give us success that's all true are, are you with me do you, is that is that okay jesus wants us to do that is that fair it's 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 pretty fair in the story the rest of the bible talks about it we can fairly say jesus is happy if we spend our life doing all those things but I want to say to you today, not in any way contradictory to this, we are in danger if that is what we put as our pillars of who we are as a body. How are the signs and wonders churches doing around you? Well, are there any around here? I don't know. But like, how are they doing? Here's what Jesus says. So I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Yes, Lord. And nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. We might say... We might say, if I could cast out a demon, I'm going to be at the height of my Christian faith. 
That, then I would really know that Jesus was in me. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All that other stuff, good. Better is the understanding that you and me have been saved by grace, by the power of Jesus in him alone, and through that have eternal life through the continued faith of us again completely accomplished by the Holy Spirit and by God. That is the greatest thing that Jesus wants everyone to learn in this. Yes, go, accomplish, be. Be all that you can be for the kingdom, but never forget the greatest celebration is your restored souls in heaven. Oh, that's wonderful. That should take a big fat weight off of you today, off of LCF. Who's the next pastor? Who's it going to be? How are we going to survive? Are people going to leave? Is it going to get smaller? Are people going to come? It should take all that and the thing that Jesus wants us to never forget is it's about souls. It's all about souls. It's all about souls. Here's what Spur Charles Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said some good things. He said this, if sinners will be damned, okay, if people will not receive the, the salvation of Jesus, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. Like, that's good. It's, it, he says some good things. You should look at Charles Spurgeon quotes, okay? This is the main thing. This is how we accomplish everything for LCF. This is how we accomplish and have full satisfaction in our daily Christian lives. Is it's all about souls. It's all about our salvation and the salvation of other, of other people. Everything else flows out of that. If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. That's a great picture. I'm going I'm to tell this story. I told this at my own church. I, I want to just do a little picture of that. I worked in a slaughterhouse. Now, that's an interesting job. Okay? That's an interesting job. Uh, I don't work in a slaughterhouse now. It's a meat shop. It's far more refined. Okay? But I worked in a slaughterhouse. Okay? And there was this place... Where you, where you threw all the buckets of not meat into the garbage, right? They're big BFI bins, choo, 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 big BFI bins. So you walked into this room, and it was kind of a V, meaning there's walkways on either sides. And then there was BFI bins along the walls, so you could chuck the not meat in there, right? And I was fairly new there. And uh, 
My goal every time I had to throw out not meat was to not vomit. Because I thought, that's not going uh, to get me respect amongst these hardened people, right? And uh, here's a little trick. There were BFI bins all along the side. But then there was also BFI bins the next level. And you couldn't reach those BFI bins with the big buckets. They were way too heavy. So all you could do was tip it over onto the existing ones. But what about those ones that are next level? How are you going to get to those? Well, you had to wait until those first ones were full. Then you had a bridge. You hear me? All that not meat, right? And it's a slaughterhouse, so there's a lot more not meat than, say, a meat shop, which just has to worry about bony not meat, right? Picture making sense? So you had to make a bridge first in the first BFI bins, and then when they were full enough, you had to kind of walk across and then get to the next bins. Nobody would hear you scream if you fell, right? Right? If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. How do you get, how do you, how do you get that sort of commitment? That sort of selflessness? That sort of humility? That sort of commitment to doing everything for the salvation of souls? It's understanding that our salvation and then our testimony of our salvation and the freedom that we want everyone to experience because we've experienced, gripped by that, will allow us to accomplish the selfless service that is needed. That we could be that biodegradable bridge for other people. We don't want to help them get there, but we, we want to ensure that we're willing to do anything to keep them out of there. And we, as a people, myself included, and my church included, and many other churches included, are not regularly gripped by the state of the souls around us. Because we're interested, I'm, I'm making generalized comments here, I'm not pointing any fingers, but in general, the Christian church is interested in the journey of the 72, with signs and wonders and the authority of heaven coming down for us to use. And we base everything on it, and it's so futile, because it's completely out of our control. Calvary Church where I am from, is, on, is in a huge growth spurt right now. And you know what we've done? You know, we, how, do, you, do you guys want to know the secret to getting a whole bunch of people in your chairs? We don't know. Because we haven't done anything different. When we were 250 people, which is half of what we are now, we were doing the exact same things each Sunday that we're doing now. We've done nothing different. 
It's the power of God. And if we rise and fall on numbers, on giftings, this time I cast out the demon, next time I didn't cast out the demon. This time somebody got healed, that time somebody didn't get healed. God must be mad at me, or, or I didn't read my Bible enough, or what? It's all about Jesus. It's all about his power. And it's all about our souls being precious to him and about other people's souls being precious to him. Far more. Do we not want to fall and rise, rise and fall with people's approval of us? With the way the world treats us? This is what it says. Somewhere in here, this is what it says. Matthew 5, 11 to 12. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Sounds like a great day. Perhaps LCF one day will be slandered all over Facebook. Maybe it has. Maybe it'll be slandered all over town. Jesus is saying, if that comes out of you fruitfully being saved by grace, you're in a good spot. You're in a good spot. Blessed are, are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's countercultural. That's hard to get behind. But if, if we're following the truth of Jesus, if we're saying the salvation of our own soul and the constant tending of him who keeps us in his grace and glory and our ability to give a testimony and to care about that happening for our neighbor, if that is our prize, then everything negative that comes out of that we're supposed to take in rejoicing because God is storing up thankfulness and blessings as we follow his will. If it is something that you get rewarded for in heaven, you can probably take it pretty seriously that God is happy that you're doing it. He wants our churches to be ridiculous for him countercultural for him, standing out for him. And he understands that that is going to ruffle some feathers. Gift, I am not against giftings. I'm not against the power of the Holy Spirit, and I am not against the, the move of the Spirit in our services. I'm very much for that. But if we base how we're doing on that, we're on shaky that's not going to ruffle Landmark. Landmark is not going to be offended in your gifts. They're not going to have a hard and fast rule about LCF in your giftings. It comes from salvation. It comes from hard lines. It comes from the power of sin in our lives that wants to destroy our souls and act. Now, we're not, I'm not saying that 
that a successful church should be hated by their town. But there is a byproduct of a church really going after Jesus and really pursuing the community to go after Jesus. Not for some gifting or for some, something glorious that they can put on Instagram, but for the very peace and goodness within themselves. That is countercultural. And that people have strong opinions on. It's not music, it's not prayer meetings, it's not outreach, it's not community groups, it's not Bible studies, it's not adult Sunday school, it's all about the very salvation of our souls, the celebrating of that, and all these other things flow out of that. Wouldn't you want to have every pressure of people pleasing out of your life? That's one of the hardest things we have to deal with as Christians. Worrying about what the people around us are going to think. But Jesus makes our calling easy. Makes our calling easy. I was reading up on Luke chapter 8, and you don't have to go to that, but Luke chapter 8 is the story of the demon-possessed man. They're in Gentile country, and there's a man that is like super jacked up on evil. And nobody can do anything with them. And Jesus sets them free like, like, like that. And, and there was so much oppression in him, it took up a whole herd of pigs. Think about that. So think about that in connection to the story of the 72. Okay, Jesus shows up and casts out 2,000 pigs worth of demonic oppression. Now, who's, who's ever dealt with a pig? Okay, one pig is like, has the power of eight humans. It's just weird. Doesn't even have to be a big pig. It's amazing. And, and so, you think of how bound up this guy was. And what does the guy say? What does the guy say when he gets set free? He wants to go with Jesus. Right, he wants to go with Jesus. He says, the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Go get busy testifying to the salvation of your soul that was so terribly lost. He doesn't say lead an adult Sunday school. He doesn't say find out what your spiritual gift is. He doesn't say anything like that. He says, go testify. That's what people need to hear, how lost you were and how found you've been. Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming through the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. All the things we do for Jesus are valuable and important in the kingdom, but it must flow out of the realization that we're only saved through him. It is our firm foundation. William Carey, another famous missionary, said this, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. I 
I'm not afraid of failure, I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. That doesn't matter. This, it, it doesn't matter. All the clicking doesn't matter because we're here for the glory of God. We're here to celebrate the salvation of our souls. Everything comes out of that. We exist to love God, love people, and to follow and proclaim the way of Jesus. This is the thing that no resource, time, money, people can, you can't throw too much at this as a church. It is your mission. And every good thing comes out of that. Every good thing comes out of that. I want to read you a passage. This is, this is one of the simplest, simplest forms of the salvation story that I've ever heard. And it's told by one of Jesus' disciples, John. It's in his first chapter. John 1, if you want to meditate on one chapter of the Bible, John chapter 1 is a great start. Because it's rooted in just so much gospel truth. Bedrock. It says this, John chapter 1, 9 to 14. Let me get it in my Bible here. I don't want to read it off a page. John chapter 1, 9 to 14. This is the salvation story. This is the thing that we, we, we can't ever get distracted from. We can't ever put second. This is the point. This is the message. This is what saved us and redeemed us. Where we've been, I, I was one of the ugliest, non-unredeemed people you're ever going to find. Lost beyond lost. And so many of us have that same story. Those of us that have lived up in, in, in very, um, you know, good homes, good parents, good upbringing, known Jesus for a long time, that is a wonderful testimony. But, but you were just as lost as, as the person who had a more headline-worthy growing up period. Just as lost. It says this in John 1. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's what every page before John 1 is saying. Every page. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. It's true. Like really true. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Is that not just a beautiful piece of scripture? So true. So true. That would be, if that was your gospel message that you preached to yourself and to the people around you, you would have more than enough to convince them and to continue to convince yourself of the reality of why you're here and what's important. So why don't we stand um, before Jen comes up. Jen is not currently up. That's fine. So we're going to stand, and, and, and I want us to recommit ourselves today. You know, coming to church is about recommitment. God doesn't need to recommit to us. And I guess in the supernatural, we don't need to recommit to him, but our flesh is in constant need of recommitments. Constantly. We forget, we're distracted, we're lied to by ourselves and by the world. And we're constantly needing to remember that which has saved us and got us here. We are all simply saved by grace. Not by works, not by anything that we've brought to the table. We don't continue to save ourselves we don't get these great Christian practices and continue to save ourselves. We are once and for all saved by grace. And that never changes. And if it's true for you, it is true for the most wicked and lost sinner amongst you. In your workplaces, in your families, in your communities. This is the only thing we have to give to the world that matters. And whether you grow from today or you shrink, whether all your good people leave or more pillars come in, whether the search for your new head pastor goes well or doesn't go as planned, continuing on the path of God, of God as our only redeemer, our only message, our only hope, and our only thing that we have to give to somebody else, you can hold your head up high as LCF, as a healthy, productive, life-filled church of God. That is the bedrock. And so I want us, again, to commit ourselves to this thing that we stand on, the message that we have. We exist to love God, love people, and to follow and proclaim the way of Jesus. I didn't hear a lot of people say that with me. If this is still true for you today, all right, we're gonna, it doesn't hurt to read it, keep reading it. This could be the final song, Jen. You can come up, Jen, by the way. <laughs> we exist to love God love people, and to follow and proclaim the way of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, 
our, our message is, is always the same. We are, we are lost, needy children who need you to save us and save us and save us. In every situation, in every season, we are simply one bit of flesh away from disaster. That's not hating ourselves. That's not being negative thinkers. That's simply accepting that we are in constant need of your provisions. We are saved once, and we are kept saved every minute of every day. This is the reason why we praise you. This is the reason why we have faith. This is the reason why we speak to those who are difficult. This is the reason why, we're, why we speak to those who are, it's hard. This is the reason why the doors are open. This is the reason why we come and give of our talents and give of our abilities, our time, our giftings, our love, our attention. It's all because we were once so terribly lost and have been powerfully redeemed. And this testimony should never be off of our lips and out of our hearts. And, and, and never the very nucleus of the reason why we do anything of value in our lives. It's the salvation, the very salvation that we celebrate. It's the salvation that we proclaim to the world. Would you give us just eagle focus on the realities of that? Would every act of worship and every act of service and every act of brotherly love come out of this reality? Saved by grace, kept through the Holy Spirit, redeemed for all time. And it's available to everyone. Amen.